This episode of Talk of the Devils is sponsored once more by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit 1 million orders phase. Yep, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling ETH style turtleneck sweaters or blueprints for brand new stadiums, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to Talk of the Devils, you can sign up for our $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash reddevils, all in lowercase without any spaces. So go to shopify.com slash reddevils to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash reddevils. The Athletic. This is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. What an enjoyable little Christmas break we had. United won twice. We all had a lovely time, I hope. Uh, and we missed out on a transfer target. What better way to spend the festive period? We'll talk about both of those victories over Burnley and Nottingham Forest. We'll talk about Cody Gagpo and the fallout from that at Manchester United as well and what it means for our January transfer window. And we've also got to the bottom of exactly who... Bettino is and why randomly he appeared in Manchester United's squad we have a new number 11 or we did for a little while right let's introduce you to everyone we've got a full house on Talk of the Devils so good morning Carl Anker good morning Ian good morning Andy Mitten good morning Ian good morning Laurie Whitwell good morning Ian thank you um we're recording the morning after the night before which was United's biggest win of the Premier League season Andy, I'm going to come to you first because um, people might be able to hear there's a little bit of background noise on your <laughs> recording. You're doing your thing again, aren't you? You're going everywhere and making sure you see random football matches. Yeah, uh, Manchester United Forest wasn't really a random one, but just travelling around a bit was in Edinburgh with, with, with my family. The other ones uh, were, weren't they? they were, well, I went to Altrincham the other day. Fairly random. <laughs> yeah, Harry Styles, his dad was sat with us and he listened to the um, podcast and he's a big United fan and he's a nice, <laughs> he's a nice fella, he's Des. Friend so of the show, Des. Friend of the show, Des. We're not going to come to you. You've had to give him a shout out again, haven't you, Andy? Like, Laurie's not going to come to you for 32 tickets next time your son plays in Manchester. <laughs> come on, this, then, is, um, this is where we start. This is how I get my VIP entrance to Harry Styles gig, surely. And then I'm heading south, but if my wife listens to this, she's going to kill me. Yeah, she's been saying for years, I want to go to the Cotswolds. So I'm, after I've done this podcast, I'm heading south. And then we'll, we'll nip into Wolves, where United play next. But I've been to 89 of the 92 Football League grounds, but one of the ones I've not been to is Forest Green Rovers, who just happened to play in the Cotswolds. And because I planned this trip, uh, they're actually at home tomorrow night against Burton Albion. And I would have no reason whatsoever to go to Forest Green. I can't believe you've done this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, right, to look after my family, take them around the Cotswolds all day, get them in a nice hotel, and then I'm just going to swerve it and go and watch Forest Green against Burton Albion by myself <laughs> do they know about this yet 
No. Nothing at all? Seriously, no. No. And are they close by Andy right now? I mean, they might walk in any minute, and if they do, the, my, my tone will, will, will change. <laughs> Look, I've got to do... I can't get to 89 and not do the 92. Forest Green's a three-hour drive from Manchester. Unless they draw Manchester United, why am I ever going to go there? So I might as well kill two birds with one stone. It's in the middle of the Cotswolds. She wants to visit the Cotswolds. I'm absolutely fine with that. Have a nice day in the Cotswolds. And then just swerve it for a couple of hours. I won't have to work at the game. I can roll up five minutes before kickoff. The logic is impeccable. I can't wait for the big reveal on this. I want to explain just how many times Andy's looked over his shoulder while telling this story. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I'm, I'm not actually going to... I'm not going to tell her. No? Well, just <laughs> no. just leave, yeah. And we'll, um, we'll come to New Year's Day on the next podcast. I've got something else planned for that, but... Divorce, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to watch Rafe, Rafe Rovers while I was in Edinburgh, and I asked... Remember Brian McClare, who used to play for United, I asked for his advice. He said, Kirkcaldy they play in. It's famous for uh, Gordon Brown, and he listed Scotland's most famous painter who I'd never heard of. And then he said, you're not getting on with your wife. And I just thought, I'd better take the message here. So I stayed with my family. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about Manchester United. I- I'm disappointed that you missed out on Rafe Rovers, Andy. I, I thought you were a proper football fan as well. But anyway, Carl, what have you been doing? Have you been watching any um, random stroke, non-random football matches? No, just just watching Manchester United, going through some World Cup footage, <laughs> uh, seeing what I can of uh, what little substitute appearances Lissandro Martinez made for Argentina. I want, I'm really wondering what sort of nightlife he's been enjoying in Buenos Aires right now. Because obviously he missed... Is he even back yet? Uh, Tanag was making jokes back. in the press conference that he was still partying <laughs> in Buenos Aires. And that was like more or less the day that he was supposed to be back in training. Whilst his mate who tasted the disappointment has done 90 minutes nearly against Forrest last night. Laurie, you were there like I was. Um I said it at the top, it was the, the biggest margin of victory for United in the Premier League this season. It could have actually probably been quite a bit more as well, in fairness. But as returns to Premier League action go, that was all right, wasn't it? Yeah, it was good. Good atmosphere and probably probably some of the best football United have played this season. Um, I mean, OK, you are setting the bar a little bit lower because it's Nottingham Forest, um, who have an awful away record, I think, They've got one point away from home all season. One goal. One goal. They've not scored an away goal since August, and it was only once, yeah. Well, they nearly did last night, didn't they? But, I mean, after the longest VAR delay that I can remember for a long time, um, it finally got chalked off. There was a couple of reasons why I think it probably was going to get the old axe. But, um, no, in terms of United's play, actually, I thought that this is the front four that Eric Tenag favours, right? And it's the first time... They played more than a half together all season. The only other time they started the game was away at Everton and then Anthony Marshall limped off after 29 minutes. So it's the first time he's been able to get them on the pitch and he spoke about that afterwards and how he hopes that that can actually become a regular thing. I guess we're kind of putting a lot of emphasis on Marshall here, but um, th- that will hopefully produce those kind of routines, those, uh, those kind of plays that they have ingrained from training sessions and I did think that was one major takeaway that like they kept doing dummies didn't they you know Bruno Fernandes leaving the ball Aaron Wan-Bissaka and, and Tyrone Molassi were getting in on the act and I think that only comes from faith in your teammates and knowing that they're going to be behind you to receive the ball and it's going to deceive the opposition um, and, and the first goal was kind of a set piece example of that where clearly they've had that as a routine 
uh, Varane making the kind of first dash and then Rashford, the actual real recipient of the corner. Um, and and Ericsson's delivery was excellent. It kind of reminded me of those low pingers that Teddy Sheringham used to thrive on with a near post finish. Um, but I thought it was a good, really good display. And yeah, as you say, it could have been more. I mean, Ericsson Arg actually came onto the pitch at full time. Um, it looked like he was going to just shake Anthony Taylor's hand, but then no, he was remonstrating with him in a kind of jovial way about that penalty that, you know, the handball. So he's obviously thinking... I wanted four, you know, that should have been a penalty. It could have been four. Andy Mitten's goal difference tracker could have been nudged to plus four uh, for the first time this season. Um, it is nice that United are off zero uh, for the time being into December. It's only taken a few months. Well, yeah, he's right. The goal tracker is now shifting. And <laughs> I think it's important that he did, that Marcus scored, that Anthony Martial scored. I thought it was a good night at Old Trafford in, in horrific conditions. Uh, the, the training ground had planned for that corner in the days previous and it came off perfectly when Christian Eriksen put the ball into Marcus Rashford. I was a little bit worried the first five minutes. I thought maybe World Cup rustiness, maybe a much changed side, maybe the conditions because the ball was, it, 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 it was getting stuck a little bit. I thought this, this could favour. The underdog, I saw um, Anthony try to run with the ball and not, not able to get up to pace. I think he's someone who needs to improve, but if we're picking out the positives, Casemiro, man of the match, his passing is, is incredible. Andy, before you go any further, can we just take a moment to appreciate Casemiro? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But imagine, if we, imagine if we have like a, a three-minute silence just to appreciate <laughs> Casemiro in every single podcast. Well, he's worth it. If he walked in the room right now, I'd stand up and take my hat off. Yeah, I'm not even wearing you, a hat. You not even wearing a hat. joke last yeah. night, wasn't it? Yeah, it was brilliant. After the game last night, I mean, an hour afterwards, we'd done the mix zone. I'm, sh- I'm sure you're in in speaking to the manager, Laurie. We were down speaking to some of the players and walked back through. And Casimiro was was speaking to fans by by the side of the pitch, and he'd just played another man of the match performance. I thought United worked really well as a system, and it wasn't the best game ever for Anthony Martial, but. He played, he didn't get injured, he scored, he's fitting into that system. And as Laurie said, this this is a forward line that Eric Tenag wants to go with at the moment. I think we can see more from, from Anthony. I thought Bruno had a decent game, I thought Luke Shaw fitted in well in the centre of defence. One of his best games for United was actually at Chelsea a couple of years ago when he played more centrally, when United had a win there. Do you know that's the first time ever in his senior career that he started at centre-half in a back four? Yeah. Never yeah. ever He's played in a three, hasn't he? wouldn't know it, would you? He's played, played in a back... He's played in three, yeah. yeah, but never in a back four yeah. as a centre-back. He's just it was fine. into it easily. United really controlled the match. Good nights for Aaron Wan-Bissaka and Tyrone Malassia. Yes, they made mistakes, but just to be playing will lift their confidence because Aaron Wan-Bissaka was nowhere uh, a month ago. So just for him to be playing is a good thing. Yeah, it was decent. I thought Forest were pretty poor, actually. I expected more from them because I know they started the season poorly, but they have had some decent results. But it was really important that Manchester United won because the rivals have been winning. It was good that Tottenham dropped points against Brentford. I keep doing that live league table during the match. I'm getting excited. <laughs> like and, and Still fifth. Still fifth, but well positioned with games at Wolves and Bournemouth to finally overtake Tottenham soon. We'll see. Carl, what impressed you? Uh, what's impressed me just now is Andy's been optimistic about Manchester United playing Wolves. <laughs> He's never optimistic about Manchester United Especially playing Especially not Wolves. away. It's normally just a 1-0 defeat so. and move on, isn't it? Yeah. 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 There you go. There's proof and evidence that Ten Hag has put the step back into Manchester United. <laughs> Casemiro was absolutely fantastic last night. Uh, and what also impressed me was just there were, there were moments where United 
had prolonged possession and they weren't panicking with the ball. You know, there've been two, three times in previous seasons where Manchester United treat the ball like a bomb and like, just get rid of it, just get rid of it, get up, get the field as quickly as possible. But no, there, there were patches of play where they were, they were calm. They, they were comfortable without ever looking complacent. And yeah, you, you can easily see when that back four goes back to full strength, everything's going to be a lot calmer and United will just keep on ticking, hopefully. So this is good. This is promising. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Two sort of routine home wins back to back. I think United's home form now um, something like six wins in a row, which is the the, the best in about five years as well. Um, Marcus Rashford as well, Carl. I mean, we we have praised him just lately, haven't we? But he's just a decisive footballer at the moment, isn't he? He's he's creating the moments. He's taking the chances when the moments come his way to decide football matches. I interviewed Eric Ten Hag before the match. Um, I asked him about getting Marcus down to a longer contract than just a one-year extension. It sounds like United are working on that. Uh, Ten Hag said he is Manchester United. He is a Manchester kid. Um, he also said as well that when Rashford's smiling, it's the widest smile at Carrington, and it's something that he wants to see a lot more because when he's in this sort of mood, there's no stopping him. In Ten Hag's opinion, yeah, I think Marcus right now has got to reach that level of confidence where you don't need to take an extra touch, and he's realised he doesn't need to take an extra touch in those times. Uh, what's also impressive is not just the fact that he's he's running and cutting inside on the left as we used to, but he's also adding different types of passing and movement to his game as well. So they, he had a pass in the second half, which led to uh, you know pass gets to Bruno, Bruno gives it to Anthony. And Anthony should have scored, really. Uh, and it was one of those things of, ah, oh, Marcus doesn't normally do line-breaking passes like that. But he, he's getting his head up more when he's breaking into space. He's, he's, he's able to break the lines more with his passing as well. So he's becoming a, a more complete football player. I know we we're always going back and forth about what's his best position. But when he's in this sort of confidence, you can just say, well, just pop on left and he'll do a bit of everything, won't he? Well, yeah, the Burnley game, he played right, left and through the middle, didn't he? And obviously last night, it, it was left and through the middle. Do you think Ten Hag knows that he's going to really need Marcus Rashford, Laurie? Because he is taking every single opportunity, it seems, to praise him. Uh, I thought it was interesting as well that when Rashford came off last night, and it was only with a few minutes to go, just before the third goal, he came and sat on the steps uh, next to us, uh, where, where I sit at the pitch side reporting position, and he seemed quite annoyed to come off I think he wanted more goals oh, that's really interesting yeah um, it's a good sign well that, yeah exactly I mean I think he probably would have done right I mean um, there was chances there as Akars alluded to Forest were open you know it wasn't like <laughs> it wasn't like United had to really produce dazzling array of football and pressure in the final third time after time there were moments where they counter-attacked Forest basically and they were able to create chances that way um, it would have been interesting actually if they had got a penalty who, who would have taken it are we, are we back now to the Marcus Rashford era or would it have been Bruno Fernandes do we think um, but I, I do think Rashford was was really really good last night I mean he was my man of the match before then Casemiro kind of produced that masterclass further in the second half um, because I just felt that Rashford every time he got the ball he was driving with it he was looking confident and I know it's perhaps a, we've gone over this already and, and it might be annoying for people to keep hearing but it does feel like he's got that 
kind of purpose about his play and that kind of clear focus in what he wants to do with the ball. And it goes back again to having that trust in your teammates. There was a moment in the first half where he kind of dropped really deep and picked it up basically off the back line uh, and then just just dribbled with it. And he he lost the ball, um, but it wasn't that you know, it was a mistake by him. It was he was trying to make something happen, and, and there you go. You got the license to do so. But more importantly, he had Casemiro behind him, ready to actually. Then he he retook possession and kind of tackled and gave went to Malassia. So if if you've got you know kind of trust in your teammates that they're going to back you up if you're going to try something, then I think that just gives you that platform to to go and do it. And, and yeah, Rashford's really seizing it. He looks strong. He looks kind of like a. a presence that he can bully other defenders which is something that I think he did a little bit of um, under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer so yeah really pleasing to see because as Ten Hag said to you Ian um, Rashford with a smile on his face is a brilliant sight to see yeah absolutely Andy what should the target be for United this season now are we sort of are we are we looking at that week to week now and seeing the the progress that it seems like the team's making are we are we reassessing what the target should be Look at Carl's face when you ask me this. <laughs> Top four in a trophy. There is the mitten standard of quality. Top four, and not the top four I was expecting at the start of the season. Uh, Newcastle United, as we saw at Old Trafford, when they defended brilliantly, um, are on a real good run. I think top four is realistic for Manchester United, and Manchester City not winning the league. Can we work that into what we would like to see this season as well? And, and, wait for it, a trophy. <laughs> I think it's really important. It will be six years in May. Are you forgetting the Bangkok International Cup, Andy? Yeah, how can you forget that, Laurie? When we were sat there, when we were 4-0 up in no time, it was brilliant, wasn't it? The ticker tape. We'll have to have um, a celebration uh, dinner on the first anniversary of that Bangkok victory against Liverpool. That trophy glows. You press the button and it put up big old lights. It was... It was a triumph. Quite something. I have no idea how they put it on the Christmas tree. <laughs> so, 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 so a trophy. Um, Europa League, a difficult game against uh, Barcelona. There will be a difficult semi-final in the League Cup against Manchester City. We'll probably go out like it seems to happen every single year. So hopefully something will change there. With respect to Charlton Athletic, managed by Salford Red and Manchester United fan Dean Alden. FA Cup. United need a trophy. A day out at Wembley. It's not going to be the Papa John's Cup anymore because Bolton knocked out a young United side just before Christmas. Another game we should mention. 2,000 away fans at Bolton there. So, yeah, that, that's what I'm thinking. What do you think, lads? Is that realistic? Top four in a trophy? Uh, I think that's why they backed Ten Hag more than they had uh, expected to in yeah. the summer. I think they, they realised we need to enhance this squad quickly. And, and we'll get on to... In the yeah, summer. Yeah. yeah. And we'll, we'll get on to January, I suppose, later. But, yeah. I think League Cup has opened itself up you know as you say no disrespect to Charlton Athletic but if United aren't getting past them in the quarterfinals of a tournament you know something's seriously wrong so yeah you're looking at that with uh, kind of eyes that say okay we can do this yeah go on Carl you were going to say something you made a noise I think Newcastle being as good as they have has made a lot more difficult for not just Manchester United but Liverpool Chelsea and whatnot uh, and Spurs so now the gap to get into that top four is going to be a lot tighter and we'll, we'll get into what needs doing in January as well but I'm not sure if Manchester United have the uh, same financial assets and resources that everyone else who wants to get into top four have so Ten Hag's probably going to have to coach his butt off if Manchester United want to get top four in terms of, of a trophy 
yeah, I mean, there's nothing really to fear there. I'm not... I think I was mildly confident about playing Barcelona when the draw was made. And I'll, I'll stick by that for now. Yeah, let's not let's not ruin the moment, Carl. Absolutely. Right, we're going to talk about January in a moment. But before we do that, I'll just remind you about the offer that's on at the moment on The Athletic. It's a Boxing Day sale. And if you're not a subscriber, you can sign up now to The Athletic with our special podcast price of just £1 a month for a year when you go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. It is a limited time offer, so I need to tell you, sign up now. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Okay, then let's do it. It sparked my dad's Boxing Day dinner when he saw the notification drop on his phone (laughs) (laughs) that Liverpool had agreed a deal reportedly for Cody Kakpo. What went on, Laurie? Um, You've written about it on The Athletic. I'm sure everyone can go and look at that. There's a piece on there from David Ornstein as well with all the details. What went wrong? I I kind of want to know what your dad's Boxing Day meal was. Was it leftovers from... Christmas Day, or was it oh, just because no. you cooked no, it? No. Was that why it was ruined? No, mum. <laughs> yeah, mum goes full, <laughs> full on on Boxing Day. That's her day. Oh, wow. So we had roast beef. Oh yeah, fantastic, beautiful. My right, mum's roast okay. potatoes. Right, I'm biased, Anna, because it's my mum. But my mum's roast potatoes are absolutely incredible. Nearly as sweet as a big surprise January signing. <laughs> well, I was going to say, could could you not have put that into the pitch for United to try and sign Cody Gakpo and got him round for your mum's? <laughs> I've been round. You know, <laughs> Yeah, it was it was <laughs> it was a surprise, wasn't it? Um, I don't think many people had thought that Liverpool were going to do you know that kind of business this window. You know, according to people at United, I think they were aware of it. You know, Eric Ten Hag has the same agent as Cody Gakpo, so I'm sure it's not a surprise to him. Um, and the idea is that United were weighing it up. You know, they were looking at whether they could afford it. Uh, basically, could they put it on the credit card again, as they've put quite a few transfers on in recent years um, and it got to a point where they actually decided no you know we're not going to do that now I don't know what that means for the takeover talks you know that the sale because I in my mind and other people that I speak to would think that okay if it's going to be a takeover then it's the next person's problem what the kind of financial situation is so maybe that would loosen the purse strings this is kind of hypothetical I'm just kind of musing here without necessarily knowing all the ins and outs Um, but ultimately they did have these conversations about spending money that was why you know we wrote a piece about Cody Gakpo being a possibility but they've decided that actually it's going to be loans um we, we knew in the summer they'd overspent uh we we've seen the straightened finances um the fact that i mean the cash uh, in the bank has gone down from like 300 million at one point it was in in uh, 2019 to now 24 million and that's only because they've you know again used this revolving credit facility so that's what they're looking at and then you know Liverpool basically had a free run I think there's people at United that think if they'd have gone for him he would have chosen United because of the Ericsson Haag link because of um, the kind of stature I suppose of United and, and the chance to uh, perform at Old Trafford 
Um, but they've there, there was always, and as Carl's referenced in different pieces, there was always this kind of debate amongst the recruitment staff, scouts, that was Cody Gakpo the right player to start at centre-forward? Yes, he started at centre-forward for the Netherlands, but his best position is off the left um, and kind of drifting in and, and, and one-twos and things like that. Um, Eric Ten Hag, I'm pretty sure, was convinced that he could have... Um, had him in the squad and, and, and performing effectively in a team up front. Um, they had these conversations in the summer. Uh, so it was, you know, kind of the same discussions that were going on again, coming up to this point. Um, they agreed personal terms with Cody Gakpo in the summer. Ultimately, the Anthony deal, as we know, uh, you know, Ajax were determined to get 100 million euros. So that the price just, you know, wasn't palatable to, to do both. Um, but yeah, it means that United... Whatever reason, you know, they've decided not to go for him and, and fine if, if they think it's a football thing, but it does leave United in a difficult position now where, you know, they're, they're having to look at loans and kind of low cost centre forwards, you know, people, as Carl's mentioned, Memphis Depay, you know, with we'll get six into that, Larry. contract. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll I'll, definitely I'll, get I'll wait into a that. second. Just give us a moment. Let us reflect on missing out on Gakpo before we talk about who else <laughs> So do we need a moment for that as well? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> moment Andy for Casemiro can... and a moment for Gakpo. <laughs> Just hand it over to Andy. <laughs> Eric Ten Hag wanted Cody Gapko at Manchester United that is a fact Manchester United overspent in the summer as Laurie said and United have decided not to make another outlay probably because there's no money to do that and that's why we might be looking at loans in January uh, it's purely financial Manchester United completely overspent in the summer and because the Glazers are willing to sell the club, they might be thinking, we'll do what we want to do now. We're not as desperate to appease the fans. The fans don't like us. The fans are protesting every week, as they did before the, the Forest game. Um, we can take a harder line on this. And they've chosen not to go for Cody Gapco. The manager wants a striker. The manager probably wants five new players. The financial reality is biting and Laurie used the term maxed out on the credit card. Uh, that is accurate and you could look at it the other way. Manchester United have got a very, very good squad but the squad always needs improving and you can say we need a striker there. I spoke to someone last night who said if Anthony Martial, and don't groan at this everybody, if Anthony Martial is fit, he is fantastic. The, obviously the issue is his fitness because he's his goals and assists per minute ratio is actually quite impressive for a low-scoring team. I'm going to tease people even further. I'm not just stopped Laurie talking about who else Manchester United might be going for now. I'm now going to ask a question which doesn't even reference that. So you're going to have to wait a little bit longer to find out who Manchester United might be looking at as an alternative. Carl, you've had the pleasure, or the mispleasure, with Phil Hay of writing a piece entitled What Liverpool Can Expect from Cody Gadpo. I mean, that must have been enjoyable. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I've spent quite a bit of the, the pre-World Cup section of the season looking into Cody Gadpo. That was time well spent. Yeah, I thought it was absolutely brilliant and I thought, mm, look. For Liverpool subscribers on The Athletic, it will be. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I believe the TIFO <laughs> video I did before the World Cup started uh, has been watched by many a Liverpool fan recently as well. That, that's gone up a little bit, hasn't it? Yeah, as Laurie said, Gakpo to Manchester United isn't an instant win. He he prefers primarily to play on the left-hand side of a 4-3-3 when he's at PSV Eindhoven. Uh, up until the World Cup, he played as a number 10 behind two strikers for the Netherlands. 
And then it was only in the later games at World Cup that he played in a front two next to Memphis Depay. And even then, Memphis Depay said he would prefer playing next to Steven Bergwijn rather than Cody Gakpo because he thinks Gakpo's passing is better. Memphis has calmed down a bit, but he's still Dutch. <laughs> still he's, still, he's, still, he's still Dutch. He's still got that Dutch straightforwardness. Um, so, yes, Gakpo wouldn't have been an immediate win. I think if he came in, that probably would have freed up Marcus to be the number nine behind Marshall for the rest of the season. And then going forward, Gakpo's arrival would have provoked some very serious questions as to what happens next with Jaden Sancho. You know, depending on whether or not you'll want to give up on Jaden Sancho yet, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world that Gakpo's not here. I'm pulling a big face and shutting my eye here. And yeah, and like Garnacho as well here. is affected by him. And again, another promising cameo from him last night. Exciting. Not the worst thing in the world that Cody Gakpo is not a Manchester United player. It was going to sing a bit because he's a good player and will probably be very good for Liverpool. But that's the way the world works. Uh, yeah, so he's, uh, he's not it's not going to work out for him at Anfield. We've decided that already, so that's good. <laughs> um, good luck with that. Uh, Laurie, go on then. Who, who else might Manchester United be looking for? You, you, you got out Depay before I shut you down. It, it, this is it, though. We, we, we were discussing it. I don't think there is... There's not loads. There's not like... You know, they're going to pull a rabbit out of a hat. Well, know. it's because of the criteria, isn't it? it? It has to be someone who fits the profile, but it has to be someone who fits the profile financially as well. It sounds like it's going to more likely be a loan or a very low-cost signing. So, that you know, the criteria is really, really specific. Now that United have made this decision on the finances, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if they don't sign anybody because it is so specific, as you say. So, for example, in the summer, they were looking at Alvaro Morata. He was someone they considered seriously. Then the price became, you know, ridiculous for for what they saw him as. He's not a low cost option. He's he's thirty five million euro transfer fee plus wages. I think fifty million something like that total cost. Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, uh, you know, another player they looked at. He went to Chelsea, and it's not really, you know, it, it's it's been fine, I suppose, for Chelsea. But it's not like you know United are looking at that with envious eyes. So it's it's that kind of it's very. I mean, I I, you know, I mentioned Eric. Maxim to promoting at Bayern Munich. He's got six months. I, I'm kind of more speculating that I don't. I don't know that United are, are, are looking at him in particular. Um, I know there has been some reports, but it's it's that kind of caliber, and it does kind of, for all that you you know maybe Cody Gakpo wasn't the exact right player for United. You look at Liverpool and you just think, well, they do they they take assertive action. You know they kind of let other teams do the running. Darwin Nunes with United last summer. Uh, Luis Diaz with Tottenham Hotspur last January, and then they get these players in, and it, it feels more like okay, we're we're motoring, we're, we're we're being smooth with what we do. It's quick, it's efficient. United kind of just drags out, and you know you get names linked, and it's discussion discussion over that, and and kind of let's debate this. So it kind of whatever the ultimate uh, result of of this is in terms of the go to Gapo situation it does just kind of strike as more of united kind of you know have they have they moved on from the kind of things that they've been doing in the past um uh, I, mean, I mean i suppose you could look at it and go the, the the contract situation is what they want to focus on maybe you know we, we touched on marcus rashford then and and his contract I think they, they do need to get that sorted because you know you want to show him the love and you want to extend that contract and, and they are in talks over that but you know can can you not so maybe that's where you know in terms of the Ronaldo money maybe that's where they're looking at okay enhancing other players contracts but you do think they've saved a lot of money on on Cristiano Ronaldo you know is is there is there really nothing you could do um, but yeah uh, I don't know Carl, Carl you kind of wanted to 
chip in there and I, I kind of cut you off. No, I think you made a really good point in the difference between Liverpool and United. And I think, as you said with Diaz and Nunez, Liverpool are able to do these sorts of deals because when Cody Gakpo arrives at Liverpool, he doesn't necessarily need to be the best version of Cody Gakpo in January, right? He, he can have some time to adjust. Diaz will come back. Uh, he can have a nice little duel with Diaz for the left-hand side, or if he wants to play as number 10, he can he can battle with other strong players there. Whereas anyone who comes to Manchester United pretty much has to hit the ground running. And that's been a, a, a long-standing theme for Manchester United players for a while. Yeah, we, we've talked earlier about how Anthony had a great game and, and he's sort of you know relying on the credit he's got in the bank for scoring on his debut goal for a little bit more. Uh, and Casemiro was one of those players that the moment he arrived, they went, where's Casemiro? Why is he not starting immediately? And there's there's none of that slow adjustment period that happens for Manchester United players, which makes everything difficult because you, you there aren't many players out there who are less than 24 million, can hold the ball up, can can occupy the last line of defence, but can also pass the ball and, and, and run in behind as well. Uh, and anyone that does will likely look at Manchester United squad and go, oh, well, this gentleman over here earns the better part of £150,000 a week. Can I earn £150,000 a week as well? Which makes it all really, really difficult. Um, so, yeah, I think it's not just Ten Hag trying to build a squad for the future, but he's still having to de-weed and unclutter the sins of the past, which makes it all massively hectic. And maybe Garnacho might end up being that, you know, if United don't sign anyone, could you see Garnacho playing through the middle a little bit more? You look at the bench last night and he's bringing on Anthony Alanga and Facundo Prolistra is the other one. I know, you know, he's playing for Uruguay, but it's it's pretty bare, isn't it? I mean, we're, we're hanging our hat on Alejandro Garnacho to keep producing these moments and 18, he looks exciting, but we know that it's not been a smooth ride so far for him. So, you know, like imagine if Cody Gakpo actually you know, comes off the bench and scores like five, six goals for Liverpool um, in the second half of the season and gets them into the Champions League at the expense of Manchester United, which is entirely plausible. I'm not saying that you should that should dictate your whole transfer policy, but it just kind of conveys a, a sense of I think Ten Hag will, will will do well really against these other teams that are, that, are, that are competing to get into that top four because at the moment it's it's your first eleven and then scratch beneath the surface and there's not loads of. Of, of change that you can make to kind of go again and, and give impetus into teams if they're not playing playing well in particular matches. I think we just all have to make a note in our diaries that it's just gone 9am on the 28th of December. The January transfer window is not yet open and yet Laurie Whitwell, <laughs> who is going to write stories about transfers for the next <laughs> month, has already said that he wouldn't be surprised if Manchester United didn't sign anyone. Um, do subscribe now to find out exactly what's going to happen with Manchester United's January transfer window. There's an offer on at the moment as well. It's a special podcast price of £1 a month for the first year to find out that United are still not signing anyone in January. You can go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod to sign up now. I mean, what I've just said there sort of flies in the eye of a little bit of excitement uh, that was created online ahead of the match against Nottingham Forest about a potential January transfer window signing for Manchester United that no one saw coming, 
even the man himself. <laughs> Laurie, who on earth is Bettino? This is the question that I was getting asked by my mates, by the editors, uh, by various people. And it turns out that he is a... I mean, we were excited, weren't we? We were thinking, number 11, is this a kind of glitch of, of United actually... Has someone made a mistake by putting his name in the squad list on the Premier League website and you know United have, have, have done done what we've just praised Liverpool for and acting quickly and, and swiftly well no no someone's hacked it yeah someone we, we, we who knows who who could possibly have hacked it I mean Patino's agent it would be a very smart move if he's linked him with United and, and now we can get a move from the fourth division in Portugal to the you know second division in Portugal uh, I mean to be fair to him he's he's, he's played for a Portugal even the third even the third any, any kind of division uh, he's played for Portugal uh, age groups up until uh, under 21. So he's obviously got some talent, but he's 29. Even for a club in Manchester United's position with a history of signing the likes of Odin Agarlo in January, a player who'd been in China for two years, you know, I don't think they're going to be making a move for Bettino. Uh United were nonplussed. They, they, they flagged it to the Premier League. The Premier League called it a technical issue, which I do think is a euphemism for uh, someone breaking their code and, and having a bit of fun. And now his name is now no longer there. So the shortest transfer story in Manchester United's history. Most unusual, perhaps. Yeah, Carl, I'm just sort of mourning the TIFO video that won't happen now on how Bettino <laughs> will improve Manchester United's attack. I would have got the dots out and drawn loads of diagrams about half spaces and inverted wing backs and how that's going to really help his play. And ah. We'll never know. I'm just picturing um, your girlfriend coming into the front room and you're watching the Portuguese fourth division. Like, Carl, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm just watching all of Bettino's appearances from the last six months to write an article. She's got me a new pair of headphones now, so when I watch all these games, I'm not disrupting her when she's doing... That's a very you know, passive-aggressive Christmas present. <laughs> <laughs> I could tell you two have been living together for a while. Um, let's look ahead then, because it's not just about Andy Mitten's... Uh, Surprise trip, or well, surprise to his wife and children, uh, trip to <laughs> Forest Green Rovers. <laughs> Sorry, Andy. Um, Manchester United are also playing football matches as well. Um, Wolves looks like a slightly more challenging proposition than before, Andy, considering Lopetegui's got his first Premier League win at Goodison Park. That said, they weren't particularly impressive, so United can feel confident going to Molyneux. Yeah, given how poor and disappointing Wolves have been this season, Lopetegui is a very good manager. He was one of the four on the shortlist for Manchester United at the start of this year. Bit of a surprise win at Everton, but Everton do them sort of runs where they look really good for three games and really bad for 19 games. Well, let's um, hope that includes the FA Cup third round. Yeah, I hope so. Another home draw, 153 to 1. The chances of that. Of getting... He updated it on Twitter, didn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah. Seven straight home draws. That is mental, isn't it? Seven straight home draws. Absolutely crazy. Uh, Wolves, uh, United um, scraped that win um, just before Ole Gunnar Solskjaer left. Uh, it's not an away ground they like going to. It's probably the worst away end in the league with fans down the side. But Manchester United need to win there. It's as simple as that. You've got to be starting to get a run together. And actually, I'm pretty confident that Manchester United will get a win there because I think United are better than Wolves. They're not the team who looked to be establishing themselves in the top six a couple of years ago. They're going going backwards. Watch them sort of get the mojo together now and beat Manchester United 4-0. <laughs> no, I don't think it'll happen. I think United will win and will win against Bournemouth as well. 
In some ways, it's an ideal game, isn't it, for Lopetegui to start with Laurie at home uh, at Molyneux in the Premier League. This will be his first home Premier League match in charge. Manchester United on New Year's Eve. Fans will be bang up for it. United are going to have to match that, aren't they? Yeah, uh, early kickoff, isn't it? 12.30. Yeah, I think the result at Everton is a uh, I mean, last gas, wasn't it? And I think that that's that's giving him a platform to kind of go, okay, my my, my methods, you know, listen to the instructions that I'm giving you. The players, you know, should should buy into it. Um, will that give them a bit of a bounce that United have to to deal with? We looked at the situation with Aston Villa under Unai Emery, and and they certainly were a transformed team from Steven Gerrard. So that is a that's the warning, isn't it? Yeah, it's a slight concern. But that being said, they aren't the same team as, as they have been in, in last couple of years they, they, they are I know Diogo Costa is is up there being a nuisance of himself um, and it will be interesting if Lisandro Martinez is back for that I don't know if might might still come too soon um, you know but the old fire with fire the old fire with fire <laughs> <laughs> going at it but but he's he's not the same player as he? he's not as 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 prolific as he was you know it's not as sharp so you, you you hope that United can can do a decent job that the, the defensively have been better um, I, I know that that Aston Villa one stands out as an aberration but you know they, they've been looking quite good uh, as a unit so if they can keep you know Wolves quiet that the atmosphere at Molyneux is can can be up there but I, I kind of feel like if they keep them quiet then it will you know they'll have their ability they can they can exert themselves on the game yeah Carl the thing is as well this little period that Manchester United have got coming up now they need to get themselves in the right shape and confident heading into those matches because obviously we saw what happened against Manchester City last time obviously the Arsenal result was was totally different but United are going to need to be at their very best for those matches this seems like a good preparation for that this next period oh absolutely I, I think Ten Hag used words to the effects of learning our patterns or, or doing our processes after the victory of a forest. And, and, and yeah, this will be the time to, to, to properly nail down who dummies what for where, shall we say. And it'll be really important for Ten Hag to, to, to get that front four especially playing and to get a proper tune out of Anthony, who um, it feels really weird. This forest game was only seventh game for Manchester United because he you know, was, was injured for so long before the World Cup. And he's, he's he's got to shake off a little bit of that rustiness because yes, while he's not playing anywhere near like a hundred million euro player, and I'm not sure he ever will be that one because there was a little bit of overpay there. Uh, what he brings to the right hand side and the balance he brings to that front four is really really important. So getting a tune out of him and keeping Martial fit and firing will be really really useful too. I hope for a continuation of the improvement that I think we've seen since the end of the first month of the season. And you talk about getting a tune out of players. We've seen Eric Ten Hag get that out of Marcus Rashford. We've spoke about all the players who are doing well. I mentioned that it's good that Aaron Wan-Bissaka's back, that Tyrone Malassia's back. Anthony is someone who needs to um, improve his end product. And I was speaking to a Brazilian journalist about him. He's much more highly regarded within the Brazil team and plays well for Brazil. I, I think he's hugely talented. I think people also forget... Uh, that he's still quite young, he's moved to a new league and the pressures of being a Manchester United player um, are not for everyone. I don't think he's someone who actually suffers from pressure, I think he's he's pretty fearless and if you look into his background growing up in the favela in Sao Paulo, pressure from football fans is absolutely nothing compared to, to where he came from. But I'm actually optimistic that he can improve and, and and find his feet and start being more productive. And best case scenario, if 
Garnacho continues to be improved and be well managed as well because Garnacho had a couple of dodgy matches. He gets pulled out and then he came back on a substitute against Nottingham Forest. I thought it was a big upgrade on Anthony. He offered um, more options, he was more direct. And if you've got uh, Ten Hag as a conductor to this orchestra, which is going to need to be, and Carl said earlier on, he's got to coach this team to death. Yes, there's definitely an element of that, but just look at the games coming up. It is absolutely relentless, being drawn at home or not. There's some really, really difficult matches, but this is where we want Manchester United to be, in the mix, fighting for different cups. Invariably, you're going to come up against uh, tough opponents. What's the alternative to that? Not playing in any of the cup competitions like we've had in previous seasons. So I, I, I'm big in favour of Ten Hag knowing what he, he, he wants. I think he will be slightly, I wouldn't say frustrated, but tempered because he won't have a wish list for who he wants in January. And he might have thought, as Louis van Gaal did, I can sign any player I want at Manchester United. And reality is striking now. You've spent a lot of money but that's your lot. That seems like a good place to leave it for the year on Talk of the Devils. A little bit of optimism popped slightly <laughs> by some transfer <laughs> pessimism right at the death by Andy Mitten. Um, Carl, Andy, Laurie, thank you so much for being with us as always and thank you for everything you've done this year as well. Uh, I know people at home have really enjoyed listening to the three of you, so thank you for everything that you've done and all the articles that you've written on The Athletic as well. Remember, there's that special podcast price of £1 a month for a year at theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. And thank you to you guys at home for listening as well. This podcast would be nothing without your support and your contribution along the way. We always love hearing from you. So thank you, every single one of you, and a very, very happy new year. Happy 2023. Uh, enjoy yourselves whatever you're doing to market i hear the new lawn stadium is lovely this time of year but thank you for being with us as always and we'll see you on the next one happy new year bye-bye